Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 25. How can art impact politics? If you're anything like me, the last thing you want to be doing with your time right now is listening to a 30-something-year-old white dude talk about politics or his political agenda or anything like that. And trust me, you're in good hands. I feel the exact same way. That's Which is weird to say because I'm a 30-something-year-old white dude from the Midwest not wanting to to listen anyways but here's the deal i had something happen to me a few months ago i listened to an album that moved me on a nuclear level ever since i listened to it i knew i had to share this experience with you guys my friends here on the podcast but here's the weirdest part about all of it the album was a completely political album where do you live in the city do you have a house apartment on a rent rent what do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. Why are you asking? Talking to me? Who are you? Pop quiz, hot shot. Expect me to talk? Before we dive in, I just want to say a massive thank you to any of you that have been listening, subscribing, or part of these conversations for the past 25 episodes. Man, I cannot believe it's been 25 already. So for this one, I want to try something a little different. I'm going to dive right into my conversation with Andre. Sarah's not here to drink Guinness with me, but if you enjoy some of the music you hear in this episode, I'm going to put a link to Andre's album that comes out the day this is being released. Head over there, show him some love, download the album, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did. I never thought one of the most important albums to me personally that I've listened to in a long time would be a completely political album. Wow. Do you consider this a political album? Yes and no. I think it's um, it's definitely triggered by a lot of political things and definitely dives into a lot of political issues as well as social issues. Just uh, for me, I've never been one that was like, I'm going to write a political album. That was never on my radar. It was never something that I was thinking about. But I think that with the climate that's going on in our culture, with the climate that's going on in this country, there was just a burden for me to go, hey, we need to, we need to talk about these things. And also wanting to do it in a way that's going to be hopefully inclusive, something that's, that I can speak on issues of that. I can share, hey, this is where I'm coming from, this is what I believe. But I think art has a, a way of communicating that is different than just somebody talking about a topic. You know, there's a lot more, I think people are more open, at least they're able to listen to something musically and go, okay, I, I can see this a little bit different now. And, um, and so yeah, I just started to really have, get triggered on a lot of different um, aspects when it comes to just, uh, the biggest one being just human decency and just the way that we work with each other, the way that we think about other people. Um, I never thought I'd be living in a time where legitimate issues of prejudice and um, racism and fear and ignorance are so prevalent in our society. I mean, we've, 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 always known that we're going to have people that are, think certain ways, but I think it's become such a strong and overwhelmingly like um, big conversation and big big issue here in this country that I, I couldn't believe that this was you know today, 2017 yeah. and I just felt, yeah, these, these are things that we need to talk about and, uh, and just started writing and a lot of it just started coming out and yeah. Man, okay, I have like a million questions. <laughs> sure. Alrighty, okay. Um, first of all, when I mentioned this being a political thing, you have this balance of like listening, mm-hmm. which we'll get into like one of your songs dives into that. Sure. Uh, so maybe I won't even put in that this is a political album. Sure. But, but it, or maybe define that. I don't know. I think anything political. 
there's an instant like defense mechanism that goes off in a lot of people's heads. Yeah. And there's a lot of like polarizing feelings, polarizing thoughts. Yeah. Right when you get to that conversation. And let's just preface all of this with saying yeah. I am not like your political guru. I try to do what I can to be a responsible citizen and research things and and think about a lot of different ideas. Uh, but I'm certainly not, you know, your political science major or anything yes. like that. So there's plenty of people who I'm sure have put a lot more thought into this than I have. Yeah. Um, that's got to be said. But one thing that I think is important to think about is there was a season and one a, t- a time in our history where people could could have passionate arguments and disagreements and get out of the conversation and ask how's how's life how are you what's going on with your family mm-hmm. nowadays it feels like so many people they're you get in a conversation like that and they're, you lose relationships. they're literally deciding if they want you in their life or not and that's a disturbing oh. thing because I feel like the more we do this where we polarize and we we, we, we make ourselves um you know, left or right, and this is what we believe, this is what I believe, and if there's something that I don't agree with, with this other person, well, clearly, you don't belong in yeah. my circle, in my network anymore. Um, there's a lot of problems with that. Oh, one is... Man, that's I th- such a great way to say that. Yeah, and one, first of all, I will, I'll say this, I, I, if, you, if we all were to really self-reflect on this and go, man, what I thought about 10 years ago, politically, um, my faith, different things, they're going to be so different now. And it's because of a lot of life experiences, a lot of wrestling with with questions, with thoughts. Things change. And it would be really ignorant for me to think, hey, what I think right now is the all, like all-encompassing answers yeah. of life. You know, yeah. like that's just a really ignorant thing to ever think. Um, and so when it comes to these conversations, sadly, I think a lot of people have like this passionate, like this is what I believe, which is great. We should all have those those things. But if you aren't open to other ideas, if you aren't open to like legitimate confrontations with people who don't agree with you, then how are you supposed to change? How are you supposed to evolve? How are you supposed to like genuinely like transition and grow as a person with these conversations with these life topics and so I think like you said a moment ago when it comes to listening I think a big part of it is hey we can have intense conversations we can we can talk through things especially right now there are some things that I do believe like are really politically like unhealthy places that our country is going and and at the same time if I'm not open to conversations with people who support these ideas then I'm just talking to the you're preaching to the choir, if you will. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not having a healthy dialogue where there's anything productive happening. Yeah. Earlier you said music has the opportunity to affect someone differently than maybe a conversation. I do. I think art does in general. Okay. What is it about music or art? Break that down for me. Your I thoughts. think the biggest thing for me is um, when we're when we're talking about ideas, just in a communication and, and just dialogue. Um, I think people are thinking about things in a lot of black and white terms. And I think they're thinking about things in very objective terms. So as much as I I might give a person who disagrees with me on a certain political idea, all these statistical things, I see it so many times. You see it on Facebook sometimes where like some sort of thing hits the news where there's somebody said some crazy thing or made a decision politically. And you're going to have people defending it and and um, being opposed to it. And they're seeing the same thing, yeah. but because of what they believe, because of where they, they stand on that issue, they're just going to be you know, absolutely stubborn on those issues. So I think, first of all, when it comes to conversation, a lot of people, they're taking that, like I said, a defensive stand right away when it comes to political ideas, when it comes to social issues. They're just defending what they already believe. Yeah. And that's the stance that they take. Well, when, you, when it comes to art, when it comes to music, I feel like... Your guard is let down a little bit, if you will. And it's just this moment where you are, you're listening. And also, I think, because it's artistic, if you go see a film, there's times where I, I see a film that's talking about a war that happened, or it's just, you, you all of a sudden, your senses, all of your, all of your being is like, kind of, there's nothing that you're defensive about. You're, you're just watching, you're experiencing that yeah, thing. Yeah, you're more open. And all of a sudden, you have the ability now 
to see things a little bit differently. Um, so when it comes to music, for me, I go, hey, I want to talk about some things. There's a lot of metaphoric things that, that I do with this album. There's a couple songs that I think are get into painting a picture without specifically yes. saying, hey, this yeah. is about this situation or about yes. this topic. And it's A, it's letting the listener kind of decide for themselves what what is this about? What does yeah. this mean? Where is this going? Um, and then also because of the fact that you're getting away from the here and now, the present like issues, and you're talking about things in a fantasy world of sorts when you're doing a story, um, all of a sudden people go have this ability to see things from a different angle. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You almost um, disconnect yourself from your own personal biases. or Yeah, it's like you're previous. disconnecting from some of those those things. And then... I think that opens people up to the idea of, hey, you know, now that I, I can embrace that yeah. these are the values that I really have from this, how does that connect to real life? And people are going to wrestle with those things, and maybe they still come back to what they believe, and that's great too. But I, I think for me, as an artist, I, I, I really came to a place where I said, hey, I want to write something that hopefully will, if anything else, make people think about things in a different way, yeah. make people open to dialogue. And um, it, I don't expect everyone to all of a sudden have my views, right? But at the same time, if people can go away and just go, hey, now I see at least a little bit more of where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And maybe the next time that there's a conversation or the next time they're, they're thinking about some of these social issues, these political issues, um, they're going to be able to consider it in a different way. Yeah. And that's so awesome. The name of this thing is Who We Are. Who We Are, project. yeah. I feel like I wanted to start by like painting a quick picture of who you are and mm-hmm. how, what led you to this. Sure. A few minutes ago, you were talking about how what led to this is all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe we're in 2017 and this prejudice is still around. Mm-hmm. Did you deal with prejudice at all growing up or is this... Is this New, a new thing to you, or just another part well, of that story? Well, I'll just kind of go backstory, yeah. just so it's there. You know, my parents, my, my mom's grew up in Michigan. She's, you know, comes from, uh, she, her parents, European American, and kind of your all American, like typical family yeah. that you can think of. Yeah. Totally a blue collar family, you know, conservative family. My grandpa worked in the you know Ford factories. Wow, man! You grew up in Detroit. Grew up in Detroit. Um, so first of all, from that side of it, you're talking about deeply rooted, you know, patriotism, deeply rooted, you know, political engagement, mm-hmm. and and st- strong beliefs in and, and being proud of our country. Yeah. And, and so there's this this part of it that I grew up with that's absolutely there and. I was yeah. just in Michigan a few weeks ago and saw some of my, my saw my grandma and yeah. you know aunt and all of this, and you know there's this this culture that's that I really respect. You know yeah. they they grew up during that uh, the Greatest Generation you know kind of a thing where they yeah. they grew up with uh, just a lot of deeply rooted pride in our country and um, hardworking people. Yeah. So then my dad. Um, grew up in Mexico. He's from Acapulco, Mexico, and he was actually the tour guide uh, when my mom was on vacation down there, and they met, and fell in love, and so he is, uh, you know, an, considered a, a legal a- alien here. Yeah. And so he's from Mexico. Uh, so they, they, growing up, we grew up in Michigan as kids. Um, yeah, I saw the prejudice specifically towards my dad. I mean, if you can imagine, he's. Obviously, when he was in, in uh, Mexico, he was, you know, considered very educated, very intellectual. You know, mm-hmm. could could have so many different types of jobs. When he came to the states, it was just completely starting over. I mean, he was qualified for so many different positions, but he started off literally mowing lawns and. Uh, trying his best just to get an accounting job or an office job or whatever he could get. And, I mean, I remember him talking about calling up these places and right when they hear his accent, this is back in the 80s, you know, 
uh, early 80s, just phone call after phone call, people hanging up right away. No just interest. Instantly. No interest in an interview, no interest in knowing who he was. So, um, so not only was he coming from a completely, you know, he's, he's now in a completely different country, a different yeah. culture. He's one of the most, I mean, without a doubt, he is the hardest working person I know. Yeah. Um, he is just right out, out of the gates. All he wanted to do is provide for his family, work hard, and be, um, you know, be yeah. a part of this new country that he's uh, he's yeah. in. And from that standpoint, seeing that growing up, you got to see well. firsthand, man, because that's crazy. When we talk about um, people who go into a conversation, mm-hmm. who instantly show up. We all show up with our own opinions when we're talking mm-hmm. with someone, our own belief system, whatever. When, whenever you engage someone else, I feel like you are the perfect person. Uh, to front a conversation like this sure. because you are completely like growing up seeing both worlds and mm-hmm. identifying to both of that mm-hmm. like you are completely you have on one hand like this background that's almost that's my 100% my family sure. growing up with like, this Caucasian family yeah. uh, in Nebraska but then at the same time this other side you got to see firsthand with your dad and it not yeah. see stories and not right. see like oh this guy I know like, sure. at the other hand, you have a 100% of this situation and 100% of the other. Yeah. All of us have unique stories and, and different backgrounds that make us, you know, think about things. But I think there is something to be said about, yeah, like, one side you're seeing this really patriotic, proud, blue-collar, European-American heritage. And on the other side of it is, yeah, my dad was working his tail off. And, yeah. and there was a time where I was, he, eventually he did get hired to, you know, to have a an official real like accounting job with a, a, a thriving company in Michigan and um, but he wasn't treated well and I remember they actually hired me to go in when I was still in high school just to go in and do some number checking so I was sitting there in this back room and I remember being there and watching the way that so many of my of these people were treating my dad like just eye rolls and annoyed with you know just any time that he had you know he had this accent you know just, just frustrated to yeah. have to, to communicate with him. And there were obviously people there that treated him well and treated him good as well. Yeah. But I remember just in high school, you know, looking at this and part of me just wanted to like get in these people's faces and go, what are you doing? Like, yeah, he's doing your job so much better, yeah. you know, than you are. And, um, and then just this awareness of, you know, for him being a, being an alien, being, you know, first generation, you know, coming to this new country, mm-hmm. uh, real, a very strong realization of, oh, wow, there are so many, so many things that he is having to work through and overcome. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, I know was a, was a tough thing is just growing up. And I, I mean, I, I saw these, this really amazing, you know, heritage that he had so for him like he would work hard come back home and all he wanted to do is just play with the kids and we were just I remember as a kid just you know he would come home as tired as he was you know we we're just sitting there playing and and I mean part of that Mexican culture is just family you know and we you know I'm the oldest of six kids we were just a big family really close living in small quarters you know just kind of making it by <laughs> yeah. um, and I value that so much yeah and so so for me, part of this is just going, coming from that, knowing this, this is his heritage, this Mexican heritage, where, man, he spent so much more time with us than a lot of other dads do, yeah. um, transparently and candidly, that, that he was, his values were so much on working hard, providing, coming home, and just being with family. And um, even now, there's times where, you know, he lives here now in Minnesota, and we do a lot of family things, but I know if it was up to him, we'd be we'd be doing a lot more as a family, yeah. you know. And I really cherish that. I value that now, especially mm-hmm. with two kids at home. And so a huge trigger for me with this whole thing was seeing the conversation on um, illegal immigration, immigration, and the idea of um, a lot of what was dialogued with Trump and. It's not that there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get fixed, right? We have a broken system when it comes to um, undocumented citizens. But a lot of that rhetoric was going to places that I just felt are really, really wrong when it comes to painting this picture of 
these undocumented immigrants as just these criminals and yeah. just complete villains and completely um, people who don't belong. Mm-hmm. And knowing, like, man, that, that heritage, I identify with this heritage. Like, these are people who are, you know, coming to the States wanting to work hard, provide for their family, where there's safety for their family, where they're mm-hmm. not worried about having drug cartels, where they're not worried about having violence going on towards their families. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about, hey, we need to reform. Yeah, I'll sit down and, you know, I'll agree. We need to change some things. But don't paint this picture of these people who are coming over, trying to take care of their kids, provide them with safety, provide them with, with a healthy place to grow up. Don't call them like these criminals, these yeah. these rapists, it's these like murderers. Demonizing people, demonizing them, and and yeah, we have things that need to be fixed, and there's a lot of a lot of conversations that need to happen that way, and and a lot of things that need to change. But there's a there's 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 that aspect when we're talking about a political change, and then there's the aspect of hey, let's let's make people afraid of an entire people group. Let's paint this this picture of these people in such a dark way that they can't that they'll they'll go with whatever you know political agenda we're gonna put out there. He came to our kingdom and told us of monsters that wait in the forest to tear us apart. He said they were cruel and terrible creatures that came to destroy us from lands near and far. So you see that, you see the stuff with DACA and um, and it just is upsetting and, 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 it, and not that there, that changes can't happen. Yeah. But upsetting to the fact that it's reckless mm-hmm. and it's and it's done with this underlying current of, in my opinion, strong racism and ignorance and fear. Yeah. And those those three things, you if that's your leading, in my opinion, if if you're leading, you know, topics are going to be fear, racism. We're 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 not going to be in a good place when it comes to change yeah. because people make decisions people support decisions um that are ultimately i think very very reckless and unhealthy when we make decisions based out of fear yeah instead of a really healthy dialogue of hey yeah we have all these people who are undocumented in this country yeah what can we do to fix this what can we do to fix the system yeah so um, you're not like you may want to make that like super clear which because i love that about your stance of like you're not throwing everything out. Let's not have a conversation about this. Let's not right. have a. Uh, but you're just saying when it's fear. When we're talking fear-based, mm-hmm. racism-based, playing on those emotions of people, instead of talking about the process of fixing something right. that needs to be fixed. Well, people make such drastic changes then, yeah, totally. and then and it's just not. You know, if, if you're if you're getting your support as, as yeah. a president, as a as a political party, and your support is is being triggered by. These these really unhealthy yeah. unhealthy triggers for people when it comes to fear and, and racism and and ignorance. I, I really think that we're not we're not yeah. intelligently talking about these things. Yeah. And um, I think for a lot of people, this is what they firmly believe. Like that they really firmly believe. Hey, yeah, we got to get all these horrible people out of our country. And I go, well, yeah, you know, there are there are there some criminals that are undocumented yeah but there's a bunch of criminals that are legal citizens in this country and so we're not talking about them we're not talking about getting them out of our country no so i look at it and go man what can we do to change the the dialogue to actually the issue yeah and get away from this rhetoric that is there's so many consequences and so many issues when it comes to first of all the divisiveness of of bringing it as a, a fear-based thing um, you're instantly cutting off such huge parts of, the com- of our communities and, and for me as a Hispanic American you're I'm one of the ones that is cut off right away and I look at the situation and I go wait a second that's the rhetoric you want to use you know mm-hmm. you know I can't I cannot support that and yeah. now there might be other issues that I I might conservatively agree with yeah that now I really you know 
I, I don't know how to even have a conversation. He said they were monsters. He said they were monsters. But all that I see is fear on the throne. He said they were monsters. He said they were monsters. But all that I see is fear on the throne. He said they were monsters. He said they were monsters, but all that I see is fear on the throne. He said they were monsters, he said they were monsters, but all that I see is fear on the throne. Even right where you're talking about right there, uh, makes me think of the first two tracks, how you intro this album. You talk about, you open up with this Colossus prelude. Right. And then you go into, seamlessly into this track, Monsters, that mm -hmm. talks about the fear base mm -hmm. conversation that you're having. Yeah. So what is the Colossus prelude? Sure. Well, so first of all, uh, I think, you know, the Colossus, the, the Colossus poem, the new Colossus poem, uh, is, is engraved in the Statue of Liberty, and it's something that a lot of people have talked about since <laughs> since the, these dialogues and these conversations have come up when it comes to some of the, the bans against these Muslim countries, when it comes to the travel bans, when it comes to uh, the conversations about building a wall, all of these things. Um, so, you know, for those who don't know, there's actually the ancient Colossus of Rhodes is the statue that was built by the Greeks and it was supposed to be the symbol of conquering, the symbol of um, power. Mm -hmm. And the when the Statue of Liberty was, when they were putting together this, you know, the funds for the Statue of Liberty and all of this, uh, Emma Lazarus wrote this poem called The New Colossus. And she, for those who don't know, she was a, um, an, an immigrant. Her family was, was Jewish. And at first she wasn't gonna write the poem, but she ended up writing it. Basically, a lot of the, the poem drives home the point of the United States being a place where, give us your weak, give us your tired, give us your poor. Like, we want those people who are unwanted in other societies. We want those people who are um, looking for, for hope and for change and for a place to, to express freedom. Eventually, you know, I believe it was about 20 years after she it was published. Eventually, it was actually included in in, mm -hmm. in the Statue of Liberty, you know, engraved yeah. on it. When people are coming into those New York docks during this strong, strong, strong period of you know immigration immigration into this country, that was one of the first things they're seeing. You know, is mm -hmm. this the Statue of Hope, the Statue of of Welcoming, and so it's this beautiful picture. I think of the opposite of. The, the original ancient Colossus of Rhodes, which the original is of conquering, the original is of power, of dominion. Whereas to the United States, you know, this, this, this poem, this statue is supposed to represent this welcoming, this nurturing, this, this place of yeah. safety, this place where, you know, we don't, you know, you don't have to be powerful to be here. It's featuring a beautiful voice, a talented person called Anna Baker, who's here in Cities. She did an incredible job with this song. Um, but basically, yeah, it's just trying to capture, again in music, these words. And the heart of what I think the United States can represent and should represent, and that's a place of, mm -hmm. of welcoming, a place of safety, a place where people can come and and come from other countries that are oppressed, come from other places that are are, are not experiencing yeah. democracy and freedom, yeah. and they can have a new start here.
carousel, oh carousel, please spin me round, sing your magic tune, help me forget the things I've seen. This song comes in and it's this viewpoint of someone on a carousel. Like, where did this song come from? Because this was like a crazy, crazy powerful song to me. I, obviously, as some, many of us know, there's been a horrible civil war and, and crisis in Syria over the last yeah. several years now. There was a photo that I saw actually a couple years ago, and it was of one of the cities that had just been bombed. One of the, the rebel cities just been completely de- annihilated and destroyed. And it was this photo of these kids trying to play on this carousel that had been just annihilated. And I mean, you're talking, it's just in the rubble, there's rubble everywhere. Some of the, some of the horses on this carousel are gone. And it's just this kid just trying to get on this little carousel that I'm sure he had played on hundreds of times, you know, before being, you know, having it destroyed. Carousel, oh carousel, take me away. I'll ride my favorite horse and brush my hands against its mane. We can wave at the passersby, their guns held high. Waging wars they'll never win. We can dance along the city streets as soldiers meet where the children used to play. It was this powerful moment for me of looking at this and going, first of all, trying to get into the, this kid's head. I mean, the, 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 the horrible things that he's seen, the horrible things that he's experiencing. At the end of the day, he's just trying to play. He just wants to be a kid. Yeah. And so that that aspect of it and then tying it in the reason it, it, it ended up going on this album for me even though I, I actually wrote this I bought two years ago it still I thought was very relevant because of the fact that there has been so much talk about you know obviously with the travel bans series on this list and this again this very fear fear based argument of we need to protect ourselves we need to you know make sure that we're not letting in terrorists and all this conversation and obviously I feel like that's something that we can have a very healthy conversation on how do we do border control how do we how do we monitor people who are coming in and and wanting to be find safety here as a refugee but again you went to a place that dehumanized these people and, and really said hey you know there's a lot of potential, even if one of these people, and yeah. I've heard so many people, if, even if one of these people and every thousand is a, a terrorist, like it's not worth it to have these people. And you can have that viewpoint, but I feel like the thing that's disturbing about it is I think there's a very, an ignorance to, first of all, how much vetting and security is already in place. I feel like that's something that we have to have in the conversation. The other part is knowing these are real people going through horrific times and I just feel that personally like the opportunity to welcome you know people from this country and in the future other places that are experiencing crisis and, and horrors in their in their and they're, they're just looking for a place to go that that's going to be safe for us to as a country just shut our doors and close our doors and not want to be a helping hand there is an issue and so the song just dialogues and kind of basically is trying to be an, another opportunity for people to see the humanity. Yeah. Man, that is your, the dehumanizing is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. A lot of it comes down to a lack of empathy, like a lack sure. of being able to see yourself in someone else's Absolutely. position or connect with another human. Yep. Because when you talk about the one in a thousand, anytime I hear that conversation, I instantly think, oh, you feel no connection to these other humans it's it's you and it's them over there there's something about like the photo of a kid or this right. perspective of a kid on this carousel i don't know i feel like when someone sees kids mm-hmm. you don't see their agenda goes out the door yeah and especially again. i can't imagine i don't have kids but having kids for mm-hmm. you how much a bigger deal you Absolutely. see that picture and instantly the face of your kids come to mind right oh. yeah
can wave at the passers-by, their guns held high, waging wars they'll never win. We can dance along the city streets as soldiers beat, where the children used to play. Carousel, oh carousel, please spin me round. Sing your magic tune Help me forget the things I've seen Earlier, you mentioned the topic of the importance of having a conversation with people mm-hmm. about how we bring our own biases into the conversation. A lot of people aren't listening and having this conversation. That made me think of the tune Inside Our Lions on mm-hmm. this project. This tune talks about there's a line that says drawing inside our lines. Well, like, what does that mean to you? Well, first of all, we'll just go back to good old social media and Facebook and I have seen this so many times where you have somebody really passionate about something that comes up, whether it's Planned Parenthood or immigration reform or whatever the topic is. And I've seen it so many times where somebody goes, if you are my friend and you support this or you don't support this, just unfriend me now. And that's something I've seen over and over and over again. Constantly the conversation Constantly. of people saying, oh yeah, I'm un- I've unfriended so many people. Yeah, right. So that that whole thing, I, I really believe that's an issue. And for me, it comes back to, first of all, the more that you surround yourself with people who think like yourselves, we're just creating these echo chambers. And it's this situation now where you're, you really believe that you're right and you really can't believe that anybody else would think differently where really all you've done is created your own little bubble of people who think like yourself instead of being okay with challenge instead of being okay with debate instead of being okay with wow maybe I can learn even a sliver from somebody who thinks differently than myself and so the song really dialogues about the idea of first of all how much we're shaped by our culture you know what I mean if you grow up you know, in a blue collar, you know, conservative family, you might have a completely different upbringing and, and life experience and political men than somebody who grows up in an urban, maybe more of a culturally diverse place. You're coming from completely different places. And while as we grow up, we all have our opportunities to shape what we believe and change what we believe and all of that, I think right from the get go, we have people in our lives that are going to kind of say, hey, this is what we're supposed to believe. This is what we're. You, this is how you're supposed to think. And then I feel like, sadly, there's a lot of people who have strong, liberal, strong conservative beliefs, and sometimes they don't even know why. It's just what they grew up with. It's just what their friends think. It's just what their families think. Yes. It's just what their church told them to think, instead of actually wrestling with ideas. And so one thing I always, I really passionately believe is if you. If you 100% agree with a liberal agenda, or if you 100% agree with a conservative agenda, you're not thinking for yourself. I really don't think so. And and for me, you know, I on I, either side. On I either love, side. I love that you just have that balanced approach of like, no matter what side you're on, no matter where you're coming from, I, yeah, you just are blatantly holding on to that. I just don't. I, and there's there's times where you might genuinely and intellectually come to those conclusions and that's wonderful um, if that's you but I also think that a lot of people are just sheep following the crowd and they they have no actual independent research and, yeah. and thought for themselves on what what that is and I would just encourage anyone that's that's just to, just to read and be okay with like listening to people who don't don't agree with your stances and so that's that's the first thing is that but then the other part of it is you know the second verse kind of goes into this idea of we convince ourselves we're never wrong that we're the enlightened ones and it goes from there and basically what it talks about is this this real arrogant approach to any of these conversations of hey I'm right you're wrong I'm better than you my only my only goal in this conversation is to convince you over to my way of thinking or not even to convince you just to make you look really dumb 
and and to put myself up. And so when we get into these conversations, it's is this a conversation you're going in with the mentality of I want to learn something today, or yeah. is it this approach of I'm just going to throw it all on the table and yeah. make this person feel really small. And so what we don't realize is every time we go in with those mindsets, every time, and it's just it can be in you know friendships, it can be in family. Yeah. Um, when we draw these lines and we go, hey, you're either with me or you're against me. What we're doing is we're we're taking value from people. We're we're, yeah. we're really making ourselves you know, hey, I. I know what I'm doing. I've got all the answers. Yeah. In this very haughty approach to life. And more than that is it's at the expense of burning, you know, we're, we're burning bridges with people and being okay with that and actually embracing like, hey, I just want my circle of people. Well, the problem with that is if we all are doing that, at the end of the day, there's no productivity. And I really believe we need each other. I really do. If we're going to be a country that's going to ever progress and, and, and start to work together again we have to let go of some of these super super conservative super liberal like just just buried in the ground kind of approaches to this and go hey what can we do to work together where can, where can I find common ground with yeah. this other person specifically is tapping into um, a lot of the racism you're seeing and a lot of the things you see with police brutality, a lot of the things that you're seeing uh, in those 
just very hateful, you know, very hateful situations that are going on. And basically, the song is written for those who are right now feeling ostracized, those people who are experiencing, you know, yeah. just un, uh, just injustice. Yeah. And you are not alone. Just wanting this the solidarity of hey, we're in this together. Tell me when. Tell me when the hate and violence finally end Tell me when the fears we hide behind Surrender to a peace that doesn't shift like sinking sand I'm not experiencing, I've, have I experienced racism in my life? Yes. Have I experienced um, prejudice? Yes. But I know there's a lot of people that have experienced it in way more extreme ways than I ever ever have mm -hmm. and I want to be aware of that I want you know people need to be aware of that and so when it comes to some of the the issues of police brutality when it comes to you know what we saw with uh, some of these white supremacy <laughs> protests mm -hmm. and all these things um, it's just I, I, I see some of the conversations afterwards of you know well if you would just listen if you would just if this person would have just done this different and it's it's upsetting because for me, I, I, I go, man, there's, there's a lot of experiences that you just do not understand, that you do not see. I don't see. Yeah. That I don't understand. I'm not in a position where I want to be the person that is closed off to the fact that there is a dark reality for a lot of people, uh, uh, people of color in this, in this country, a lot of people in, in ur urban settings that are not seeing yeah. fairness. They're not seeing justice yeah. and um, for me to belittle that or, deme or, or, or or try to make that less yeah. than the serious issue it is is a problem yeah. and so the song is basically just a, a song that says hey let's let's stand together on this and in the last line of the chorus you know one day they'll know us by our love is just the idea of you know in the end the answer isn't going to be violence the, the answer you know what, what people need to see is is the humanity in it? This, they, they need to see that we're, we're talking about people who are dealing with real life problems that are that are serious that we need to address. We need to acknowledge and just just trying to be a voice for that. I'll be sitting here asking your forgiveness And you are not alone You are not alone You are not alone And I have, um, I have a hard time balancing that coming toward, I'm just trying to think of everything you're saying right here and this thought of um, this awareness that I... I will never know. I mean, I will. I'll know of, but I've never experienced right. racism or sure. prejudice against me. So, how do I approach this scenario of like you're saying, like, listen, I can't. I can try to empathize with where mm -hmm. you're coming from and the things that happened to you, but I, it'd be really unhealthy for me to not admit that I will never know what it's like to have that happen to me. Sure. But at the same time. I want to stand with you mm -hmm. in this. For me, it's, I mean, we all, we all have our, our life experiences. We all have our, yeah. our, our places, our environments that we're growing up in. I think, first of all, just an awareness, just in our, just in our country. I mean, mm -hmm. you and I travel a lot, yeah. and we see a lot of different places in the country. You know, if you're in Fargo, North Dakota, like I was this past weekend, it's a completely different culture, a completely different place mm -hmm. than if you're in New York City 
or if you're in Alabama or if you're in Los yeah. Angeles. I mean, we're talking about such huge different dynamics, yeah. such completely different um, collections of people groups and values. And yeah. I think that it's just important for us all to know, hey, this is what I know. This is what I experience. Yeah. This is what I do. But there's this other person that has a completely different life experience in the same country, a completely yeah. different life experience. I need to I need to be aware of the fact that there are possibilities, there are experiences that I I don't understand, but I need to be aware of, and I need to know are are part of this this yeah. life thing. I'm trying to like wrap up this idea of this whole message. Well, I'll say this. So, the big for me, the album title, "Who yeah. We Are," is more of a question of who do we want to be yeah. where are we right now who do we want to be and I think for me a big part of this album is writing in an artful way about some of the things that are going on writing in an artful way about historically what the United States is supposed to represent what yeah. our country is supposed to represent where it is now and then leaving it open to interpretation like the next question is who do we want to be who what does this country look like in 10 years and 50 years yeah. and right now I think you know without overstating it I think we're in a really important time where we're there's a lot of a lot of dark issues that are being brought to the surface right now that we need to wrestle with and go hey what what values do we actually really want to represent in this yeah. country what what are the things that we what's the identity that we want to be proud of and yeah. when it comes to you know like I said you know growing up in a conservative home, growing up, you know, in that blue collar, very patriotic family, there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot of dark history in this country as well. Mm -hmm. And then going, you know, I, I, th I heard somebody say something that was really profound and they talked about, you know, the, the myth of the United States. In other words, the things that, the, the things that we're supposed to stand for, you know, the truly like all men are created equal. You know, the, the idea of truly being a place where people can come and find safety and work hard and, and have dreams and all these things. And then there's the reality, which a lot of times is just human nature getting into some really nasty things. Um, going forward as a country, what do we want to be? And, and a lot of those things that are, that are really more myth-based, yeah. um, how do we make those more, more of a reality every day? And when it comes to justice for you know people, when it comes to trying to get economic stability for those who aren't, when it comes to how do we deal with you know immigration yeah. reform, how do we deal with undocumented immigrants? These are things that we want to be doing in a way that's going to be healthy, in a way that I think we can still hold on to values that are strong, and just wrestling with these questions. I love. Okay, I love that. Hopefully this starts a conversation that someone listens to this and they hear it. Mm -hmm. To me, like the benefit of this album is like not, not just changing the way someone thinks or changing someone's mind, like inside our lines. That's one of the most powerful tunes on this album for oh, me. Cool. Because this thought of like, man, maybe this could change the way someone talks to someone else. Yeah. At least like, we're present and aware of it. Like if anything else, just, totally. you know, being aware of the fact that, hey, I... I can actually have a productive conversation or I yeah. can just shove my ideas down their throat. Yeah, man. And if we all came in with just a little bit more of an awareness of, oh, yeah, me shoving down my ideas is not going to be a productive thing. One thing that you and I have talked about a lot is just like just social interactions and the, the way a person leaves a conversation with you has so much to do not with what you say but with how you say it. You know, and if you go into a conversation with someone and you are running them over and you are, you know, so set in your ways and just, just basically your agenda is I'm going to prove to you that I'm right. Yeah. You might walk away and actually win that debate, if you will. Yeah. And leave that person with the most poor taste in their mouth about who you are as a person. Yeah. And that is going to be something that in the end is more damaging to that relationship, to that friendship, and potentially to the ideas that you're discussing yeah. than if you were to sit down and just listen and go, hey, this is this is where I'm coming from. Why do you think the way you do? Yeah. And then in that moment, 
you know, going, okay, well, there might be this mountain that we don't agree on, but yeah. there's this one moment, this one thing that you said that I, I totally agree with. Yeah, and you trying know, to find the common. Find that, yeah. find that ground and go, hey, let's let's start there. Yeah. And then we can bring all these other chips to the table. And, and I think what's beautiful about our country and what what is um, so great about living in a democratic nation mm-hmm. is that you can have completely different ideas and those things balance each other out. They're supposed to. Yeah. And so what's scary right now is looking at, you know, Congress, looking at the political, you know, powers that be and just seeing it's like, let's hijack you know, our Senate, let's hijack this. Yeah. And then we're just going to put in our agenda for a while until yeah. the next, you know, cycle comes in. Instead of going, let's actually legitimately work together yeah. and find the things that we can we can change the more that I think people are aware of that and the more that people are dialoguing and the more that I think those in political you know circles see that that's what people value yeah. we value you know com- you know compromising with each other we value like like a healthy change yeah but so many of us right now are in such a polarizing place of my way or the highway totally man that's why that's why this is such a unique this is such a unique thing, this conversation with mm-hmm. you, because I really uh, genuinely don't feel safe having this conversation with sure. really people. That's why, and, and so which leads to me not being, not educating myself, not having a conversation like this, that where I walk away being more educated about something right. and thinking higher stuff. And so just my pushback on things sure. is, is equally unhealthy where I don't. You're you, I, don't even, I don't even want to enter in in the conversation. Yeah, you're, just, you're just worried about yeah. that friendship somehow I, being yeah, damaged, totally, which is a terrible place like that we should be. Because like you said earlier, like the whole thought of people are going into this to decide if, the, if we're going to be friends if anymore. we're going to be friends anymore. And that's, that's probably the worst part of all of this is the idea that we can't, we can't disagree and you know, yeah. leave that conversation and talk about life and still value the, that person yeah. as a human, value that person as a friend, yeah. as a family member. Um, and we got to get over that because yeah. until we do, we're just going to keep going down this really destructive path. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast, nothing 
quenches the thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> Say the most random thing you can think of. No. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>